0: Hello, my name is Blaze Bowie.
1: Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars
0: Attacks. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony.
1: Hey, this is Tim Ripper This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Dale Lorenzo from Hades, nonfiction, The Cursed, and my horrible solo music. You listen to my boy Victor on Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Ron Bumble for Fall
0: of Guns and Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. How you doing? This is Frankie Benelli from Quiet Riot. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorp from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hello, everybody.
1: This is Michael Kiske talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
2: Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
0: Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks.
3: Hey, this is Scala Page from the Freeze Tag Assessions, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
2: off episode 29 of Mars Attacks with a little exist to resist by Hades hello everyone I'm your host Victor and during this show what we have is two very special interviews the first one from Scott LePage, current guitarist in the freeze tag assassins and will be playing March 16th at Dingbats in Clifton New Jersey with the reunited Hades. After his interview portion, uh, we'll have another interview with none other than Dan Lorenzo from Hades. And uh, we're going to talk about the reunion with both of them, why it's taking place, and so on and so forth. A lot of cool things happening in the land of Hades and nonfiction and freeze tag assassins. So... Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to start off with a track by the freeze tag assassins called Steamroller. And from there, we'll get into the interview with Mr. LePage. Why did you decide to put the freeze tag assassins together?
3: Well, it kind of just happened by accident. We, uh, I use this recording software at home, um, you know, like Pro Tools and Cubase. There's another program out there called Reaper. And, right. Uh, Reaper is, uh, you know, it's an up-and-coming uh, home or studio digital recording um, workstation. And uh, I was using it, and uh they have, they have a forum and I belong to the forum you know where you can talk about lots of things from recording and tips and tricks and things like that and uh a lot of people on the forum post their music okay. So during uh you know during reading the forums and being active on it we uh I kind of met up with this one guy his name is Steve Banks and he's in a band called Gigawatt he's out of St. Louis and uh, another guy named Chris Bierman, and he's uh, out of Pennsylvania. And okay. we started, uh, we had a similar music tastes, um, and we started trading files back and forth. And the first song that uh, we started recording is uh, Steamroller. And uh, it, we just all seemed to click, and we never met. We never talked in person. It's all over email and uh, and forum chat and things like that. Uh, we, Chris came up with uh, a lick for the song Steamroller. And it wasn't Steamroller. He just came up with a lick. And then Steve added some vocals to it. And uh, I added some solo stuff to it. And then we just decided, hey, we should finish the song. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> so we kind of kind of retooled the whole song. We uh, recorded it properly. And uh, Chris does all our mixing. And we posted it on the forum. And everyone was freaking out over it. And we were really excited because it sounded good. You know, we all got along. So we decided, uh, you know, we want us to do some more songs. So we have six songs finished now and um, about three more in the works. And we're going to try to finish everything up and record a, I mean, a release a digital um, album, I guess what you call it. Um, maybe we'll press some CDs. I'm not sure yet. But that's basically how it happened. It wasn't. We really didn't decide on anything. We were all just kind of recording our own stuff at home, and then this this all came about by itself. And it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun.
2: Have you met the other components of the band, or has everything just been online so far?
3: Yeah, it's it's been online. We have yet to meet. <laughs> <laughs> we. I came close to meeting Chris, who's in Pennsylvania, when I played in April at the Haiti show in Clifton, New Jersey. Right he was going to come out he was gonna come out and see us, but uh he couldn't make it, so that was that was the only window we've had so far. <laughs> um huh. Steve's in St Louis, which is about half the distance between uh, you know me and Chris, so we're kind of planning on maybe getting together around Steve's place um but uh, you know it's about a ten hour drive for me and about a fourteen hour drive for Chris, but uh, right. we'll do it someday. It might not be soon, but we'll we'll get there.
2: <laughs> the music that you've recorded with the Freeze Tag Assassins is very different to the other stuff that, uh, that you've done with Hades and that's currently online associated to you. Uh, was this purposely done, or was this the case where the other members of the band were sort of bringing their uh, parts forward and you were just adding your... Piece to the entire puzzle.
3: I think that's kind of how it is. What you just described. Um, as far as my taste, you know, I like. I, I grew up on southern rock, and then I moved to thrash in the early '80s when thrash came about, and thrash has kind of been my love for a long time. But I still like southern rock and blues, and then you know I like classic rock, like Led Zeppelin, and you know I like the Doors and. Old Aerosmith things like that. So I like a whole lot of different music, but lately, mostly I've been doing kind of bluesy stuff, um, along with uh, some thrash stuff. So I mean, not together. I mean, in, in two two separate things. And the songs I write on my own are mostly in like a jazzy bluesy style. But what you would you describe for for me? That that's what it is for me. Because Gigawatt um, Steve's band is uh i don't even know how to describe it but it's it's very metal um it's very heavy um a lot of screaming and a lot of uh time changes things like that and i love that kind of stuff and but i can never write anything like that and chris's style chris's style is you know really good um like smashing riffs and uh that just, like, smooth smooth riffage that, uh, I mean, I, I can't think of anything to, to uh, compare it to. But riffs that just work, like, simple, heavy stuff. Steve's style is a little more complicated, and I'm kind of down the middle. So when a riff comes up, we all kind of add our things to it. And then, you know, of course, some things don't work, and some someone might not like one part, and we'll change it up. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of a merge of all our styles that seem to work.
2: I found it interesting that the three of you actually are guitars. Um, You could potentially have three different views on how to approach the guitar and then approach your music. Is it ever difficult to actually find spaces to fit all of your playing into a song, or has everything just sort of worked out when the three of you have brought your own ingredients to the table?
3: Well, it, it it could be difficult um what usually happens is someone will write a complete song as far as uh, rhythm rhythm wise on on guitar and uh, either that song will be totally finished as is you know with maybe just an arrangement change or someone will add a short part to it but so far one person has written Almost an entire song. So right now we're about we have six songs, and each one of them each one of us wrote two of the songs. You know, at least 90% of it. Um, But basically, it's you know, if if I write a whole part to a uh, to a song that's one of the other guys wrote, it's more than likely it will change the feel of it. So like i said most of the time on all songs so far one person is responsible for about 90% of of the riffs and then we all kind of just comment on arrangement or maybe throw in a, a change here or there but yeah it's uh, we, we've definitely had some some songs that are you know in the works that we tried to throw together that didn't work so um but everything that's finished so far and everything that's coming up is seems seems to work but yeah but to answer your question uh, it's most mostly just one person finishing a whole song.
2: Okay. Is there anything that you've um, brought to the table this time around that, um, that say wouldn't fit into what you were doing in Hades or with the blues jazz bass stuff that you've sort of had lying around and said, hell, I'll try it out with freeze tag assassins and see if it fits with what we're doing here?
3: Yeah, pretty much. One thing about the freeze tag assassins, it, like I said, I could never write a song. Uh, or I, I mean, I've tried. It's just I just don't think I'm capable or what I come up with isn't, isn't good enough for, for my taste. But say like a song in like a style of uh, Meshuggah or something. Okay. But, but Steve can. And on, his, on the song called Disgusted, he wrote all the parts to that song. And um, he he wrote, wrote this off-time part where uh, the drum beat and the heartbeat are two different times. And the first thing I heard that was, oh, this is, I mean, I could put a solo to this that's kind of dissident and off, and they had kind of both commented that it kind of sounds like that. Meshuggah would do something like that. And I went back and listened to Mishuga, and sure enough, you know, it. It just kind of fit, so that's that was good for me because I I couldn't write anything. I I liked that kind of music, but I couldn't write anything total. But I was I was able to contribute to something that's out of my realm. And as far as bringing my blues influence and things into it, um, I think a lot of my solos are, are like that. So I mean, if, if they write a song that's kind of on the heavier side, I might you know I might. Soften it up a little bit with uh, with a bluesy stuff. As far as any of this stuff, c- comparing to what I did in Hades, uh, no, I don't I don't think it's very different. And right. I didn't write I didn't hardly wrote any of the songs in Hades anyway. That's mostly Dan and Alan did all the songwriting.
2: Okay, um, there are a few tracks that are up on the web, and you said that you guys are looking to add some more material to put the digital album together? Is there any type of timeline for when people should be expecting that?
3: Um, yeah, December last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that was our goal, but, um, you know, this is a side project for all three of us, so we might get on something and stay on it for a week and then get off of it for three weeks. So we we tried to set a deadline around September last year to finish the last three songs by the end of 2010 but that didn't happen which is fine you know the holidays come around and everything but there there's no timeline Um, I would guess by the end of this year we'll be finished with with the songs we want to release we we're probably gonna release nine songs and uh, (laughs) nine original songs and one cover song on you know on a digital album and uh, see what happens. And hope, hope. I like to print CDs, you know, because I'm an old guy. I still like to have something in my hand.
1: <laughs> right. You
3: know, and MP3s are great, but I, you know, I, I still like to have something to say. Hey, I did this, you know. And just, I'm in print.
2: <laughs> I noticed up on your MySpace site that you have a bunch of different tracks. Some are more blues-based, and some are actually covers. Can you tell us a little bit about those songs?
3: Yeah, those are uh, Judas Priest covers. Um, for fun, I am in a Judas Priest tribute band, and th- all the those two songs were recorded at my house, and uh, the vocals are obviously not me. <laughs> those, <laughs> those are those are Brian Dixon. He's in. Uh, he's an original project called from creation and also a original project called X opus. And it's kind of a progressive style. Um, maybe. I, yeah. I guess kind of like dream theater ish. I mean, they, they might not agree with me referring to you know, comparing them th- directly to dream theater, but um, in that kind of realm of, of Prague. Um, right. So that's uh Brian Dixon and actually a couple other guys, uh, Tim McCall wow. and uh, Chuck and they're also in uh, in uh, From Creation. They're in my Judas Rising tribute band. Oh, it's not mine. It's ours. Right. <laughs> so right. So we re- we recorded that and we gig we gig locally and out of town, like you know, throughout Texas and Oklahoma, um, maybe every couple of months. So that's how those songs came about. I just threw them up there for uh those are recorded just for fun
2: now do you guys stick to just the classics or do you guys play all airs of priest um
3: we do a well-rounded priest set list uh we do a lot of the classics um and then we'll throw in some newer songs i think we will do songs up to the painkiller album um uh, we don't oh we do uh we do a song off their album that just came out also. We do a prophecy from the Nostradamus album. But that's that's about it. But mostly the classics, um, you know, Victim of Changes and The Ripper and, uh, you know, the songs from Screaming for Vengeance and Defenders of the Faith, things like that.
2: Have you by any chance caught Alan and Dan's version of Saints in Hell?
3: Yes, I have. I uh, saw that. Um, I saw that video that they made of that show, yeah. Very good job on those
2: guys. Any chance of you coaxing them into doing any priest covers when you do the Hades reunion?
3: Actually, uh, in April last year when we played, we did uh, Green Metal But this year, they wanted to do an ACDC song, so we're going to do Touch Too Much.
2: Awesome. Very cool ACDC track. Isn't one of those songs that's rammed down your throat every single day on the radio? (laughs) Yeah, like Green (laughs) Metal Well, it's not exactly you've got another thing coming or uh, breaking the law. That's you know played uh, to no extent on the radio. Right. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how your gear has evolved over the years.
3: <laughs> oh, that's a funny question because I have the same amp that I've had since I was sixteen years old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey. I have a
3: yeah. I have a nineteen eighty Marshall uh hundred watt j m p and uh i i but didn't buy it new i actually had a fifty watt j c m eight hundred that i traded with someone that had this hundred watt that said it was too loud and you know i didn't <laughs> care about i wanted it louder right right, so right i so i traded for this head and i had also had uh the nineteen sixty slant cabinet um so i've been using that rig since forever. <laughs> so I still have it; it still works. You know, you change the tube every year or so, and and uh, still goes. For guitar-wise, I changed uh, quite a bit. I I still have my red Charvel that I played with in the Hades days, and I'll be using that at the Hades gig in uh, March. It's March 26th, by the way, at, in Dingbats uh, in Clifton, New Jersey.
0: Right, Can't right. tell me
3: If I didn't plug that right.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I. That guitar. So I went on the amp. I'll be borrowing equipment because it's too expensive for me to uh, ship up my amp, and it's too big to put in the airplane carry-on. Right. Because uh, yeah, because I'm in Texas and we, I, I got to go up to New Jersey. But uh, other guitars, um, I have a. I use a Les Paul, and uh, I have a, a V that I'll use sometimes. But basically. Um, I'm a boring guy, man. I'm a simple guy. I I, I still use pretty much the same equipment.
2: Have you switched up your tuning at all over the years? And actually come to think of it, uh, Damnation was probably tuned different than uh, some of the earlier material, wasn't it?
3: Right. It was tuned down uh, to D. Um, The earlier stuff, when I was in the band, that was uh, straight at A440. Um, so they tuned down a step for the later stuff. And, uh, freeze tag assassins is also tuned to D with the six string drops for most of the songs. So it's, it's a similar tuning as, as, uh, the Haiti stuff. That just happened by chance, you know, Okay. it uh, just seems that that tuning just seems to work with the songs. I mean, we don't really do it for any specific reason. Um, but uh it just it's just seemed to work, it felt right, so we went with that. A lot of the bands are these days and you know, for the past 10, 15 years have been tuning down, um you know, playing standard tuning but tuning down a whole stuff. and it's just I don't know if we're used to hearing things, so whenever we play something there it just feels right, but you know, there's there's really no reason why we're there other than that's just what felt what we felt like we wanted to do.
2: You know, I find it comical that a lot of people out there on the web, for example, Criticize bands for tuning down thinking that they're following some type of a fad or a trend but i always go back to uh you know tony iomi and black sabbath and how uh you know tony experimented with different types of tuning and i don't think he was trying to you know follow any fad i think it just sounded cool and he just went with what he thought sounded good for the band you know
3: right yeah yeah, I'm sure there's bands out there that just tune down because someone else tunes down.
2: Right.
0: That,
3: that's fine. You know, whatever works for you. Yeah. Uh, like my son's in a band. Uh, I have a 17-year-old, and he's in a band called Palisades, and they started out and they were tuned real low, something like uh, B, you know, drop B or something like that, and they they just retooled. Over the year, uh, over the past year, they retooled and now they're back up in standard. They said they want to they want to write songs in standard, drop D, <laughs> so they're re-recording their stuff. And y- you know, it, it sounds a little different, but it's not less heavy. It just sounds different. It's, it's right. still, you know, <laughs> it'll still crush you. I mean, look at the, look at the early '80s when thrash bands came out. You know, like Metallica and Anthrax, and I mean, most of that stuff is in standard tuning, and that's that's yeah. heavy as shit. <laughs> and to this day, that's that's some of the some of the best uh, heavy thrash that I've heard. You know, Slayer.
2: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Slayer didn't start tuning differently until sometime in the '90s. You know.
3: Yeah. You know, go listen to the first three Slayer albums and tell me if that's not heavy.
2: Being that we just mentioned these bands, Anthrax, Metallica, and Slayer, I uh, just wanted to ask you real quick, what do you think about the term the big four, and the reason that or another reason that I bring this up is because I asked Blitz from Overkill about it, and I asked Chuck Billy from Testament about it as well, and got two polar opposite responses from them
0: hmm.
3: i'll uh, i i I agree with the statement i mean i I grew up i mean I was at the prime age when all that stuff came out. you know, I saw Metallica in Staten Island. Before Kill 'Em All came out, they opened for Venom. I think it was Kirk Hammett's second show. Um, and, you know, I, I had no idea who they were. We went to see Venom, and we were like, who's this band Metallica? And we went, and there was about 50 people at the show, and they blew me away. And In fact, all of us, everyone I was with. And, that, I mean, that was, that was where I wanted to be. I mean, I loved that music. And we, I think they had borrowed some of Anthrax's equipment because when uh, uh, they had like Anthrax was spray painted on the side of some of their amps, if I remember correctly. I, I might be wrong, but I think I, re- I thought I remembered that. And we used to see Anthrax at Lemoore in Brooklyn, and same thing with Megadeth. In fact, Haiti's open for Megadeth and Slayer also. And to me, I would agree, those four bands. In my, for my generation, were the beginning of thrash for for me. So, if you're asking about, you know, the validity of the name, the Big Four, I, I'll uh, I'll agree with it.
2: Blitz said he had no issue with the term. He said he was cool with all four bands, and he felt that it didn't diminish Overkill at all because it was uh, based on uh, album sales in the end. Uh, with those four bands leading, you know, album sales for Thrash. Chuck Billy, on the other hand, said flat out that the term was stupid and said that if they were the big four, where did Testament stand with the whole thing and and felt that it was dumb, you know, when you're trying to book a festival, for example. uh, What do you say to the... um, the people putting it together, you know, I can't get you the big four, but I can give you, you know, uh seven, uh, eight and nine, you know. So he felt that the term was just flat out dumb. So I just wanted to ask you, being a fan of thrash music, being a musician, someone that had uh something to do with the scene and was there at the beginning, what you had felt, you know, regarding that specific term
3: you know and and I'll agree with, with with both those guys said because what blitz said is totally correct is you know if you, you the big four as far as you know the the big four the four biggest selling bands that are actually still around today right so i mean as far as uh, music wise yeah testament was right there but i guess i mean I, I don't i don't know this for a fact but i would assume that you know they probably didn't sell enough albums um to be in the Big Four, um, Overkill as well. I mean, a great thrash band. I mean, both those guys, just unbelievable. Uh, you know, Testament and Overkill, is unbelievable, influential thrash bands from from that time. Um, but uh, yeah, but what with, with Chuck Billy had said is also true. It's you know, it's you want to label something just because of album sales, but unfortunately, I guess that's the way it goes. For, you know, and for, as far as promotions and. And festivals and things like that, you know, they're going to make it, they need to make it sound bigger, you know, than than it might be, and it's, uh, life ain't fair in the music business, right?
2: (laughs) Right, and well, I guess you would know that better than I would, you know, given whatever breaks or or non-breaks that, you know, Hades or any other band that you were involved in may or may not have gotten.
3: Yeah, I don't know, I, I, I haven't been involved that much over the years, you know, I, I, I kind of been out of it full time for a long time. So uh I didn't, you know, I, I can't even speak compared to, you know, those guys that have been doing this, this is their lifeblood for for, you know, for many many years.
2: Want to keep things on point here regarding the Hades reunion. I want to keep my friend Dan Lorenzo happy uh so that he doesn't kill the two of us. <laughs> um so I I just wanted to ask you, you know, why do you think people are still so attached to Hades and their music? Uh, after all these years, obviously you did the reunion last year, you did a few, uh, well, you did one festival date last year, there was another one that was cancelled due to the volcano and everything else. Uh, again, why do you think people remain so attached to the band?
3: Um, that's a good question. Well, the, the European shows that come up, um, from, what I, from what I heard, we get asked often to play because uh, you know Haiti still has a reasonable name in in Europe as far as people wanting to uh, come see him but uh around here i I mean if we played a reunion show in Texas, it probably wouldn't be go over that well but in New Jersey, you know hades was uh you know one of one of the bands in you know locally in New Jersey back then and you know a lot of people still like to see some of the older bands come back and you know if we played a show every other month you know it probably wouldn't wouldn't work out for that long right but if we do a show in a year and do another show next year i mean it's uh it you know people want to come out and see some old songs and you know remind them of the uh heyday <laughs> you know back when they had you know hair for some of us and <laughs> and uh know see some old friends and so I think uh, locally I think that's that's why it's still working you know
2: Um, Dan had also mentioned um, something that I alluded to a second ago uh, regarding playing uh, bang your head as a result of not being able to make it to keep it true and there were issues I guess with uh, Air India or or something along those lines Um, can you explain that whole situation uh, regarding the volcano and those festivals and everything else
3: yeah, it was it was a little hokey. We were all a little nervous about going just because of the volcano. Um, you know, if the flight wasn't canceled, we were nervous about what was going to happen. you know we because it was a connection flight too, so we' were, you know I was wondering oh, are we gonna get there you know, halfway there and then not be able to finish and then get stuck someplace um, you know because all the airports are closed. And you know Air India, I've never flown them. I've, you know, I didn't never heard of them up until that point. Right, but, right. Uh, I wasn't too worried about the Air India. Uh, in fact, they refunded the money on the tickets to the promoters, so they're I mean, they're, they can't be that bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
3: But yeah, we were a little worried about the, about the whole situation. You know, even if the flights took off, but fortunately, <laughs> we, you know, we we got offered to play at the Bang Your Head Festival and. Ended up going out and uh, having a lot of fun.
2: Where do you want people to go to find out about the Freeze Tag Assassins or anything else related to your music?
3: Well, you can go to MySpace or Facebook. Uh, We have pages there. It's just search for The Freeze Tag Assassins, all one word. Um, But our music is all sourced at the Reverb Nation site, and it's the same thing if you go to... ReverbNation.com and just search for The Freeze Tag Assassins then uh, you'll hit that page and um, you can listen to some music and you know, be become a fan on MySpace or Facebook or, 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 and or ReverbNation if you want to get updates on what's going on and hopefully by the end of the year we'll have something that people can have. Hey this is Scala Page from The Freeze Tag Assassins and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
2: Great, great track there by The Freeze Tag Assassins featuring Scott LePage. Name of that track is The Reckoning. Uh, took me a long time to put that interview together, two different sittings. Uh, unfortunately, or I should say fortunately enough, looks like I got my recording software finally in order after four months of dealing with tech support and everything else and exchanging emails almost on a daily basis. The company has come through and helped straighten things out. Something as easy as changing an audio codec makes a world of difference. Who knew? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, thanks again to Scott for coming on board. And um, Next up, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Cook Extraordinaire. Well, actually, he'll explain... One of his recipes, we'll talk about one of his current loves, which is basketball. We'll also uh, talk about, uh, of course, Hades, uh, nonfiction, and everything else surrounding the world of Dan Lorenzo. Uh, before that, let's get into a little Hades themselves. Uh, This is from, well, we played something off of uh, Resist, or Exist to Resist, excuse me, Tongue Tied, Um, initially, so let's do something off of Damnation. This is the title track, Damnation. Victor from Mars attacks. (laughs) Oh hey dude! You you forgot about the
1: call? (laughs) I totally did, but I'm I'm ready to talk, brother.
2: Excellent. So uh, we're gonna do the uh, the the Dan Lorenzo State of the Union address. The the every once a year, every so many months, where we check in with you to see what's going on in the world of Hades and nonfiction.
1: Yes. How you doing today, man? It's fucking. Oh, I'm allowed to curse, right?
2: Yes, you are.
1: (laughs) Thank goodness. I have a potty mouth. It's snowing in New Jersey. I'm stuck here. But, yes, it's always a good time to talk about Hades and nonfiction and the cursed.
2: (laughs) There you go. Has the snow affected your basketball at all?
1: Uh, You you know, I played Saturday for the first time in about a month. I generally only play in the summer and the spring. But I think about it all winter long. But I've been playing guitar, so it's probably a better thing that I concentrate on guitar for the winter. So I'm ready to go for March 26th, which is the next Hades show
2: now what do you think is the determining factor when it comes to um you know people clamoring for hades and nonfiction to get back together and do these yearly reunion shows
1: um i don't think that many people cl- are clamoring are they clamoring are they clamoring in spain where are they clamoring
2: I would say that they're clamoring all over the place.
1: Actually, as you know. I spin a map of the globe, I think they're only clamoring in parts of Germany and northern New Jersey. But I o- could be okay. wrong. Now, you know, it's <laughs> funny. Uh, Hades, uh I guess, because we started and we uh, we started so long ago when the thrash scene was very young and new to people and exciting, and we were one of the first thrash bands they maybe heard of. So they have nice memories. And the older they get. If you're like me, you think all the new music sucks and you just listen to the stuff you grew up on, you know. So you kind of always have a soft spot in your heart for the uh, old bands that started it all. Not that we started anything, but we were around back in the day as early as, you know, the early 80s on uh, Metal Massacre 6 and Born to Metalize on Megaforce. And the first Hades record came out in February of 87 in America and people still love it for whatever reason.
2: How big of a deal is it for you guys to be asked to play festivals like Keep It True, and bang your head so many years later.
1: Well, um, originally I was like, eh, "Dude, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. I don't want to like leave my wife for three days, and I don't want to have to play those songs that hurt my hands. The Haiti songs are hard to play, mm-hmm. and I was worried that you know I had to. I basically stopped playing basketball before I do a show to protect my fingers. But um, Keep It True was actually uh, canceled because of the volcano. For us, we couldn't get there. Our flight was canceled. But then we ended up doing the Bang Your Head Festival with Twisted Sister and Queensryche. And when Alan originally hit me up with the idea, I was like kind of begrudgingly saying, all right, I'll go. But I wasn't like crazy about going, but it was probably one of the best musical experiences of my
2: life. Well, being that you mentioned that that's one of your best musical experiences, how does it differ from one you guys played consistently back in the day when Hades originally started?
1: Well, because when, it, when things are happening on a regular basis, you take it for granted, you know, whether uh, it's because, you know, I, I would uh, be young and single and going on dates with girls, and i pick them up and <laughs> drive them back to my crappy apartment, and within 20 minutes, you'd hear one of my songs on WSOU, and it's like, awesome, you know, because we're number one, <laughs> nonfiction will be number one again and again, and you start taking it for granted, and like, the first time you hear yourself on the radio, you're freaking out, and now if I hear myself on the radio, I'm like, oh, awesome, you know, because like, when you go without something for a long time, you learn to reappreciate it again. So that that's the big thing. I mean, sometimes uh, you know, we'll, we'll land in Amsterdam and fly to Stuttgart and play a festival, and you know, kids are you know, or I should say, adults are asking us for their for our autographs. And I'm like, geez, this is crazy. It's 2010. You know, the record's almost 25, 27 years old, whatever it is, and people still care about the old stuff. So you'd definitely appreciate it because it doesn't happen that often anymore, you know?
2: What's the lineup going to be for the show?
1: Uh, There's two opening bands. One's called Piston Driven, and the other one is called Magus Beast. Uh, I think uh, Piston Driven's from New Jersey for the most part, and and Magus Beast are from, I believe, Queens. And they actually hooked us up with Ross the Boss from Manowar, so uh, John from Magus Beast knows him, and uh, Ross the Boss is going to do an old uh, Manowar song with us, so... Whenever we play shows, particularly now, this kind of started with nonfiction. We'll always have people jump on stage with us just to make the night more interesting. And so each show is different. Like in the past, we had uh, Billy from Biohazard or Glenn Evans from Nuclear Assault uh, jump on stage with us and do a song. And uh, this time, we're going to have Ross the Boss from Manowar.
2: Interesting that Manowar redoes battle hymns, and they include everyone but Ross the Boss, who helped write a lot of those songs and add his playing and sound to a lot of those songs which are still memorable after all these years but the new uh version of the album i tried to listen to it and in my opinion it just absolutely sucks you know it just is missing that intensity that the original version had
1: really well i mean you know what's funny though I I hear you say it sucks. And one of the albums that redone that I really enjoyed was Bonded by Blood. Um, I think the original was a fucking masterpiece of classic and I'm an right. enormous Paul Baylor fan. But I thought Rob Dukes did a good job and the production was heavier and they tuned down but you always kinda like what you heard what you hear first best. You can never, you know, hear something that you're you're just used to listening to for twenty years, probably redone and then enjoy it more than the original. The original is right. always to hold a you know, a special place to you. But uh, I can understand at the same time why they did it. Like, we've actually thought, should we redo Resisting Success? And then we realize people are never going to like it as much as the original. But if you're doing <laughs> it just for fun, that's cool right. too, you know?
2: Well, I think the the thing with the original version is that it had, you know, some energy to it. And, you know, the band was young and hungry. And it's almost the opposite of what you're saying with Exodus. With the Exodus, with Bonded by Blood, there's still that energy. And even though they're tuning down, the Manowar, a lot of the songs are slowed down. They're just so overly produced. It just just isn't the same essence, in my opinion. Right. Well,
1: you know what? I was a big fan of the first Manowar album. I went to see them play. And me and my buddies, I'll never forget my buddy Paul, literally on the floor with laughter, pointing a finger at them couldn't stop laughing because just what they said in between songs, particularly Joey DeMaio. Um, right. I was a big fan of the music, a big fan of the first album, but uh I was not a real big fan of the uh loincloth and what they would say <laughs> in between songs. Just seemed it seemed like even though I was young and it was all everything was so new to me, it seemed like spinal tap before there was spinal tap, like I've never right. been into the posturing and, you know, the whole you know, their whole vibe of what they speak about on stage, but I do like the music from the first album a lot, you know?
2: Who's going to be joining you on stage as part of Hades?
1: Well, I haven't come to a decision yet, but I think I'm going to let Alan Tecchio stay on vocals. I mean, he's, if, as long as he's nice to me the next couple <laughs> months, I'll let him sing. And then we have Scott LePage, who I know you just spoke with Yeah, He's flying up from Dallas We have T. Coombs back on drums Uh, Tommy was out of the band for a number of years And he came back to us last year And it's really been fun uh, rekindling our friendship Or actually creating a friendship Tom was in the band for years And he and I weren't the best of friends And uh, Kevin Bolenbach from Nonfiction And Inferno Phonic, he'll be on bass again
2: now, outside of playing with Ross the Boss, can we expect any other surprises uh, as far as the set list is concerned?
1: Um, well, you know, Alan and I do a cover band with, you ever hear of Mark Striegel? You know who that is? Yeah,
2: I think I've heard of the name once or twice before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the last time we played together in our cover band, we had uh, Mark Tornillo from TT Quick and Accept jumped up on stage, a metal mm-hmm. mic, and Metal Mike, and... We try and, like I said, we have different people jump on stage. We had Steve Zing from Danzig jump on, up on play bass to a song we did. Um, right now, you know, as usual, I'd have to kill you if I tell you what else might happen that night. But I do <laughs> want to say it's Saturday night, March 26th at Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey, and I believe their website for advanced tickets is dingbatsnj.com.
2: How difficult is it for you guys to rehearse being that Scott for example is all the way out there in Texas.
1: Right. Well, last year I flew down to, I usually fly down to Dallas the end of every March anyway to visit Scott and his family and, okay. he, and he and I jammed in his house and then he flew up uh, in January and we rehearsed again in April but really what we realized about Scott is he's so freaking good that <laughs> we had a rehearsal we set up like three rehearsals and by the first night we could have played out you know we could have played out without even rehearsing because you know we've been doing these songs for a long time, and the only thing is, I think maybe Tom and I need to get a little bit back, get our our, our thrash metal uh, feet and legs going again. But it comes back to us actually pretty easily, where we don't need to rehearse rehearse too much.
2: I also just received some news that there's going to be a DVD coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, you know um, it's going to come out right around the time of the show. People can go to danlorenzo.net, probably even a week or two before the show, and it's a, a DVD that J Bones did for us, like a three or four camera shoot. And it's from the last time we played Dingbats. It's the whole Haiti set. And then half of the nonfiction reunion set. So it's exactly from like just about a year ago when we played Dingbats the last time it has like uh, I think 16 or 17 Haiti songs and seven or eight non non-fiction songs. And people can look under merch on my website, which is Dan should be up by uh, middle of March. We can be selling it.
2: Okay. Cool. And uh, what other type of merch can they find there, aside from the DVD?
1: Uh, they can find Hades t-shirts, the first two non-fiction CDs, the first two Hades CDs, and the hottest selling item right now is my solo CDs. They are just off the hook, my <laughs> Nice Being Alone solo <laughs> CD. There's still plenty of copies of that left. And actually, uh, there's a lot of this stuff for Hades and non is on iTunes we uh, actually own the rights to It's a Wonderful Lie by Nonfiction, Save Yourself, The Downside, and Damnation by Hades. They're all on iTunes now, and uh, people can buy them just go by going to iTunes and looking for those CDs. We actually get paid for the, uh, the newer stuff, uh, the Metal Blade years. We get paid for that again. It's, we have the rights to it.
2: And as far as the solo CDs, they've all gone at least gold or platinum, right?
1: I believe uh, Cassius King is almost nearing double platinum. Uh, a okay. couple a different clothes is Gold in uh, Denmark, which is uh, three <laughs> copies sold. And, uh, you know, I, I made those CDs real quickly and for fun, and I really had fun recording. I'm using my own money and rushing them out, and I still uh, stand behind 90% of the music on my three solo CDs.
2: So what would you consider that percentage that you don't stand behind?
1: Shit that I shouldn't have released because I'm uh, <laughs> singing out of key, and maybe guitar is out of tune, or the song wasn't fully uh, developed. But, I mean, I did it so quickly, and... Uh, half the time it was recorded live in the studio with no rehearsal so it was really fun as an experience i released three solo cds in 13 months with my own money and it really was fun
2: any other solo music in the works
1: no i don't think the world is ready for another i don't i think I'm going to deny <laughs> the world uh another solo cd alan's really begging i mean alan is keeps pressing me he really loves my solo stuff he keeps telling me i should just do all solo stuff and that yeah, i'm such a better singer than he is but uh I am uh, starting to mail Bobby Blitz from Overkill some of my new music, so maybe if he uh, has some time, he'll write to it. We'll put out another record by The Cursed someday.
2: So hopefully the next new batch of Dan Lorenzo music will come courtesy of The Cursed? I don't know. I
1: mean, we had fun doing The Cursed, and, um, you know, you never know. There's, to me, there's almost no sense putting out new music unless you just want to let kids download it for free. Uh, mm-hmm. But as long as you're doing it for fun, it's cool But if it, if it starts to interfere with my basketball season Which will be happening starting <laughs> April 1st Then i got to put the kibosh on it
2: Any chance of there being any new Hades or nonfiction fiction music? Um,
1: Alan and myself wrote one new song A few months ago, we might have Tom play drums on it But it's just, it's tough logistically, although Scott LePage His band Freeze Tag Assassins all live in different states um, I can uh, barely figure out how to Respond to an email, so I don't know if I could uh, Record that way, but uh, Victor, I don't know, Maybe you and I should start a band at some point
2: there you go. If you really want to hear some attitude tune singing, I'm sure there'd be plenty of that.
1: i so used to it with Alan. It's fine. It doesn't even faze me anymore.
2: Do you think it still makes sense for an artist to go out there and record a full album? Or do you think it makes more sense for them just to record two, three loose tracks and release them out on the web or make them available as singles or, or something like that as opposed to recording 12 new tracks? You know,
1: I think they should have done that back in the 90s because when I grew up, you had perfect records like, you know, ACDC, Highway to Hell, Aerosmith Rocks, Kiss Alive, Kiss and All Over, first couple Cheap Trick CDs. And then when my bands, you know, were playing in the 90s, uh, bands like say somebody like Rob Zombie or White Zombie, Mm -hmm. they had a couple songs that blew me away that were just phenomenal, but it's not like they had a 10-song CD with 10 great songs. They had three great songs. So that's probably what killed the music business. Even a band as mighty as Pantera, I know Dimebag Daryl blows away practically anybody who's ever picked up a guitar, but when you really go back and listen to their records, 50% of it could have been probably left off, in my opinion. Now, you know, maybe I'm an egomaniac, maybe I have super high standards, but there were no more Led Zeppelin records, you know, bands that just had perfect albums coming out in the mid-'90s. I mean, maybe Alice in Chains Dirt was probably the last one that I heard. Uh, the Clutch right. CD called Clutch was one of my favorites, but... Uh, too many bands. It just they had, you know, were rushing music out, putting 10-song CDs that had five great songs on it, and that probably disillusioned a lot of people into laying out their hard-earned money for a whole album. You know.
2: Well, what about a band like Kiss, where they record a full album, then you go to see them live, and they're relying pretty much uh, on their old material. Uh, does it really make sense for them to record? You know, a bunch of new tracks when they're only going to be playing, let's say, one new song. See that,
1: I see their their point. People rather hear the old stuff, but as an artist, you always like your new stuff the best. So it's definitely, you don't know which way that you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know, when you're the artist, yeah. I guess.
2: So. Any news regarding Screaming Metal? Uh, any possibilities of doing any... Additional shows in the future?
1: No, nothing going on. Mark Striegel tells us he's too busy. I haven't heard a reply from John Astronomy about a year now, so I guess I'm on John Astronomy's shit list. But who knows, right? I mean, he's a busy guy. Uh, Screaming Metal, the cover band we had with myself and Alan and Mark and John from Talking Metal, were two of the most fun shows I've ever done in my life. Really, really fun. It reminded me of being like in the clubs in the early '80s, playing covers for fun, and we really did have a, a fun set list, and the, the whole thing was fun. But uh, we haven't gotten around to it because those guys are a little busy now. Alan has two kids, and uh, Mark and John are busy. But uh, maybe someday, maybe next year.
2: Any new recipes you'd like to share with us? New recipes? No, man. You know, I'm so lazy. I
1: I go to restaurants to eat. Everybody can cook better than me. You know, there's so many good restaurants in the New York metro area, uh, whether it's in the city or even in New Jersey. So I haven't been cooking much. So, uh, yeah, mosh potatoes, I do have one recipe that I'm I'm very happy with that I prefer to cook in the summer when you can get good basil, but Mosh potatoes is a heavy metal cookbook on Simon & Schuster that Steve Seabury put out. And uh, if you like heavy metal and you like eating good food, you should check it out.
2: Cool. And what was the name of your recipe? Uh, It was called
1: the dish. It was really a penne caprese dish, uh, like an Italian dish with a basil and and uh, wet mozzarella and uh, tomatoes and penne or rigatoni, depending on what you want to use.
2: And how did you come across this recipe? Is it something that was passed down through the family or something uh, you I looked saw it, up? I
1: think I saw it in a magazine one time, and even though I don't eat any meat, I still use chicken stock, so I just added the chicken stock. They, I think the original recipe, I saw it called for water, so I just switched it around a little bit, made it my own, and uh, it's something I eat definitely a, at least once or twice a, a month in the summer.
2: Cool, I'll have to look the book up. Um, tell us again when the Hades show is going to take place. Saturday, March 26th at Dingbats in
1: Clifton. Uh, it's dingbats, dot com for advance tickets. We'll probably go on about 1130, and if you're looking to buy the Hades TV or some other Hades merch, go to www.danlorenzo.net and click on Merch, and I'll usually send out everything priority mail, that usually the day after you order it.
2: And uh, as far as uh, you guys are playing Keep It True this year as well, correct?
1: No, there's no other festivals. The, the March 26th show with Dingbats is the only festival, uh, is the oh. only show we have scheduled right now. Um, I think we have to announce to the world that we're not going to ever play again, and then the offers will start pouring in <laughs> as they normally do. Whenever we tell people we're done or we're retired, we're not going to play anymore, that's when we get our, bar- our
0: best offers.
2: Yeah, I I guess I must have misunderstood Scott. I could have swore he mentioned that um, you guys were playing Keep It True to make up for last year, but I probably uh, switched things up somehow.
1: Nothing confirmed. Definitely not this year. Most of the festivals are already booked and everything, maybe for next year.
2: Let me ask you this question. I asked Scott the same thing, uh, since we were discussing a bunch of uh, uh, different thrash bands and how Hades fit into the whole equation. Uh, What do you think about the term the Big Four? Uh, The reason I also brought this up is that I asked Blitz this question and I asked Chuck Billy the same question and got two totally different responses back from each of them.
1: Uh, Although he seems like a nice guy now, I've never been a huge fan of Scott Ian and I never was a fan of Anthrax. I always thought they were a little silly and I thought they always jumped on a lot of trends. Even... Even so far as to where Hades would play uh, the Cat Club in New York City on a Wednesday night, and we'd do Got the Time by Joe Jackson, and then like three months later <laughs> Anthrax would do Got the Time. Uh, we'd do X Song, and they'd cover it. It was a little weird. I mean, maybe we did grow up in the same things, and that's cool and all, and you know. But I was just never a huge fan of Anthrax. I met Joey Belladonna actually opened up for the Curse in New York City, our one show, and he was really, really nice. And Charlie was always nice to us, but I'm just not a big fan of Anthrax. So I think. In my mind, it was always the big three and then a mm-hmm. distant four. you know
2: Blitz actually mentioned that he had no issues with the term because it was based on music sales and you know ultimately, he felt that um you know Overkill had their place within thrash history and that the terms and everything else that were being thrown around that he didn't have any issue with it because he was cool with all the bands and felt that you know, uh, that overkill was still relevant and that it really didn't affect them. Chuck Billy, on the other hand, took offense to the term because he felt that uh, it diminishes what Testament has done uh, when it pertains to the history of thrash. And um, the analogy that he uses is that if they're the big four, then where does Testament stand when it comes to um, to their standing? Does that make them, you know, 6, 7, or 8? Uh, and how, you know, h- how do they approach someone that's uh, putting together a festival by saying, you know, we can't get you the big four, but we can get you, you know, 6, 9, and 11? So he was sort of upset when I brought it up. He well, I guess sort I of... could
1: agree with both of them. I mean, if it is going by sales, I would imagine that is the big four. But... uh I I was just happy that Hades actually did make it into the big 176 uh, a few years back. It was a much lower visible tour. (laughs)
2: The the, the big 176, what what did that go?
1: We were one of the 176 biggest bands in thrash.
2: One think, band were? Uh, or...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you the bands in front of us, but this would be a seven-hour interview. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to ask what what number they actually <laughs> rated up to. Uh, you know, actually, in a
1: serious note, Hades' uh, Resisting Success CD we did make it into Rock Hard Journey's 300 Greatest Metal Albums of All Time, so that was a big honor. We did make the big 300, so that's pretty cool.
2: Not too shabby. Uh, pretty cool that you know you guys are listed, or at least one of your albums is listed within the top 300 thrash albums of all time. Right.
1: And then they give us it's funny cuz they gave us a huge two-page uh feature right the week that uh the, the Bang Your Head Festival was happening in Germany, so it was like perfect timing, you know.
2: Ah, that's cool. So that all happened last year uh when you guys were over there then.
1: Correct. Yes. I mean, the announcement for the Big 300 and, and Rock Hard I probably made a couple of years ago, and then each month they would feature one of those bands, but obviously that takes oh. years and years to accumulate, so uh, we we did make it into the Big 300 and Rock Hard.
2: So only the first album made the list? Nothing else appears on there that pertains to Hades or nonfiction? No,
1: just the first album I recorded in my life. Nothing since then has been a grace which of the highest theme, but that's okay.
2: It's a damn shame they're missing out on a lot of good material there.
1: Well thank you. Maybe after this interview, after I'm done talking you can play some of it, right? Uh,
2: that's that's the idea. Awesome. <laughs> hey, this is Dan Lorenzo from Hades,
1: nonfiction, The Cursed, and my horrible solo music. You listen to my boy Victor on Mars Attacks.
2: The leaders, such a kick ass song by Hades, want to thank both of our guests, Scott Lepage and Dan Lorenzo, for coming aboard and want to apologize to everyone for the space ghost coast to coast type uh uh interviewing segments there where there's so many uh cut and paste going on to try to fix the audio um unfortunately, or yeah, unfortunately for me, I thought that the Dan Lorenzo interview was intact until I started editing it editing it, and realized that uh, only the first eight minutes or so were good, and maybe the last three minutes, which, you know, you listen to the beginning, you listen to the end, and you sort of think, okay, everything else in between is going to be fine, but I guess the joke was on me, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, love talking to those guys, and please go see them at Dingbats if you're from the Uh, New Jersey area if you're from the New York City tri-state area Uh, also check out their music up there on iTunes or go to danlorenzo.net and order the DVD once it comes out or the t-shirts I'm sporting a gray Hades t-shirt myself and uh, that's pretty much it just want to remind you guys that uh, you can listen to or download these episodes off of the website, marsattacksradio.com. You can also now subscribe via iTunes to these podcasts. And there's been a big jump in the listeners to the podcast as a result of being able to offer uh, the podcast through iTunes. Uh, help spread the word. Help help us grow our numbers. And, um, and what else? We also have the uh, Twitter feed there. Um, Follow us. The Twitter account for Mars Attacks is MarsAries2005. That is M-A-R-S-A-R-I-E-S 2005. And uh, what else? We have the Facebook group. We have the MySpace. Sign up for all that good stuff if you have one or the other. Again, tell people about the show, about the various sites and, and whatnot. Help spread the word. Also remember that we have Fusion Sonica, the Spanish-language hard rock and metal podcast. We also have the Victor M. Ruiz podcast, and that is spelled V-I-C-T-O-R-M-R-U-I-Z, and uh, we have all types of... Uh, music uh not only hard rock and metal we veer off into uh other territories uh we also have uh you know plenty of wrestling talk and uh we discuss shows and movies and pretty much anything that uh floats into my mind at the time that we're doing that episode um or any particular episode for that podcast you can subscribe to all three of these podcasts in iTunes Uh, so that's again Mars Attacks Podcast Fusion Sonica and Victor M. Ruiz R-U-I-Z Podcast but uh, that's pretty much it thanks again for listening thanks again to Dan and to Scott and um, that's pretty much it let's wrap things up with one last track by Hades again going back to Damnation this track is just absolutely awesome i absolutely love it it is absorbed coming off once again damnation thanks and see you next time right here on mars attacks